Hello everyone. Welcome to our podcast. We are FC Biotech's Gene Talk. This podcast is brought to you by the second year students from the Department of Biotechnology, Ferguson College, Pune, on Molecular Biology, BTH 2302. And we look forward to bring you weekly podcasts on intriguing topics from the fascinating world of molecular biology. I'm your host, Pragya. And in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the experiments which proved that DNA is the genetic material. You must be wondering what is so interesting about this topic, right? Well, back in the time, the scientific community was curious to know about the chemical nature of this genetic material and different scientists had different opinions about what this genetic material might be. These three experiments proved to the world that DNA indeed is the genetic material and today we will talk about these experiments in detail. I'm pretty sure that everybody has heard about the DNA and have some idea about what it is, isn't it? DNA or the deoxyribonucleic acid is primarily located in the nucleus and as you may know is the genetic material in humans and almost all other organisms. I have used the words genetic material a couple of times now so you must be wondering what is its meaning? Well, Genetic material is that substance that controls the inheritance of traits from one generation to the next. It holds instructions for an organism's development, reproduction, and ultimately death. In simple words, DNA contains our unique genetic code and just like a book, it contains all the instructions for making proteins in our bodies. So it seems that DNA is vital for the survival of all living beings since it acts as the instruction guide for life and all its processes. But have you wondered the story behind the search for this genetic material? Do you know how it was proved that DNA indeed is the genetic material? After it was proven experimentally, that genes for the traits are present on the chromosomes, the scientific world got together to find out what exactly makes up these genes and chromosomes. In other words, scientists were eager to solve the mystery behind the chemical nature of this genetic material. This journey started when a British bacteriologist, Frederick Griffith, in 1928, carried out a series of experiments with a bacterium called Streptococcus pneumoniae, the causative agents of pneumonia. He observed that when bacteria were grown on a culture plate, some of them produced smooth, shiny colonies. He called it the S-strain or the smooth strain, whereas the others produced rough colonies, so he called them the R-strain or the rough strain. 
Why do you think is this observation important? It is because this difference in the appearance of colonies, rough or smooth, is due to the presence of mucus or polysaccharide capsule on the S strain but not on the R strain. Hence, the presence of this capsule makes the S strain virulent or strongly infectious and the absence of such a capsule on the R strain makes it avirulent or non-infectious. In his experiment, Griffith first injected a mouse with the S strain of the bacteria and as expected, the mouse died. Then he injected another mouse with the R strain of the bacteria and it survived. This result was quite expected by Griffith because as I mentioned earlier, the S strain is virulent or infectious and the R strain is avirulent or non-infectious. In the next set of experiments, Griffith heat killed the bacteria which means he heated the S strain to extremely high temperatures which killed this virulent strain and made it ineffective and the infected mouse survived. And for his last set of experiments, Griffith injected the mouse with both S strain which is heat killed and the R strain. We now know that both the strains are individually avirulent. However, surprisingly, the mouse did not survive. So from all these experiments, Griffith finally concluded that the R strain had been transformed by the heat-killed S strain. This means that some transforming principle had transferred from the heat-killed S strain which helped the R strain bacteria to synthesize a smooth polysaccharide capsule and thus become virulent. This must be due to the transfer of the genetic material. However, he was not able to define the biochemical nature of the genetic material from his experiments. Then we move on to the second experiment which was performed by three scientists. Oswald Avery, Colin MacLeod, and Mathleen McCarty in 1944, almost 20 years after Griffith's first experiment. They worked to define the biochemical nature of the transforming principle as stated in Griffith's experiment. Interestingly, prior to this experiment, the genetic material was thought to be protein. So, what did the scientists do? In their first experiment, they obtained purified biochemicals that is proteins, DNA and RNA from the heat-killed S strain to observe which biochemicals could transform live R strain into S strain. They discovered that DNA alone from the heat-killed S strain caused the transformation of non-virulent R-strain bacteria into virulent S-strain bacteria. Surprising, isn't it? To verify this, they carried out further experiments and discovered that protein-digesting enzymes called proteases and RNA-digesting enzymes called RNases did not inhibit this transformation. 
This proved that the transforming substance was neither protein nor RNA. Further, DNA digesting enzymes called DNases caused the inhibition of transformation which suggested that DNA caused the transformation. These scientists thus concluded that DNA is the hereditary material. But still, as you can imagine, not all biologists were convinced. The unequivocal proof that DNA is the genetic material came from the bacteriophage experiments carried out by Alfred Hershey and Martha Chase in 1952. What was this experiment about? How did these two scientists finally provide the unmistakable proof that DNA is the transforming principle? Let's find out. These two scientists carried out an extremely important and interesting experiment using bacteriophage and a bacterial strain. Are you aware what a bacteriophage is? Let me tell you. A bacteriophage is a virus that infects bacteria. Bacteriophages usually infect the host bacterium by inserting their genetic material into them. The bacterial cell treats the genetic material of the virus like its own genetic material and then produces more virus particles. So why did they use a bacteriophage? Because interestingly, the body of a bacteriophage is made up of two components, the outer protein coat and the inner genetic material that is the DNA. Now we already know that the main aim of the Hershey Chase experiment was to find out whether genetic material is proteins or DNA. Since the phage contains only proteins and DNA, it is easier to figure out which component gets into the host bacterium. Makes sense, right? Their first step was to obtain radio-labeled bacteriophages. One strain would have the radioactive proteins and the other would have the radioactive DNA. They did this because if they allowed these radio-labeled bacteriophages to separately infect the bacteria, at the end, they could analyze the bacteria to find out which radio-labeled component had made its way inside the bacteria. That component would be the genetic material. These bacteriophages were hence grown on two separate mediums. One contained radioactive phosphorus called P32 and the other contained radioactive sulfur called S35. Why did they specifically choose these two elements? These two elements were chosen for the easy analysis as sulfur is an integral part of proteins but is not present in the DNA and on the other hand, Phosphorus is present in the DNA but not in the proteins. Hence, from this information, we can infer that the viruses grown in the presence of radioactive phosphorus contained radioactive DNA and the viruses grown in the presence of radioactive sulfur 
contained radioactive protein. Now, all they had to do was to allow these radio-labeled bacteriophages to infect new bacterial cells. These bacterial host cells will be the ones harboring the new phage generations, which will help analyze what has passed down the line. So, they infected the bacterial cells with the two sets of bacteriophages separately. After several hours of infection, the culture was agitated in a mixer blender. It was needed to make sure that post-infection, the empty phage coats get separated from the bacterial cells. Next, they centrifuged the culture at an extremely high speed. When the sample is centrifuged, the heavier and denser particles settle at the bottom. This layer is called the pellet, while the lighter particles remain on the top, and this layer is called the supernatant. They checked the radioactivity in both the batches and concluded their analysis. The supernatant contains the phage codes, which are the empty codes of the bacteriophage. Similarly, the pellet will contain the bacterial cells and the newer generation phage particles. What do you think will happen? Hear me out. There can be two cases. If the radioactivity is observed in the supernatant, then it means that the radio-labeled marker is only present in the protein coat of the phage and did not get into the bacterial cells. If the radioactivity is seen in the pellet, then it would mean that the newer phage cells have all got the radioactive P32 in them. Thus, the DNA in the form of genetic material has successfully got transformed into the new phage particles. Let us talk about the final results. What did Hershey and Chase observe? So on analyzing their first sample, they found that the radioactivity was absent in the supernatant. And in the second batch, the radioactivity was found in the pellet. With this, Hershey and Chase confirmed that it is the DNA which got transferred from the bacteriophage to the bacterial host cells. And hence, DNA is the genetic material. In the end, it was proved after all those years that the transforming principle is DNA. With this, we come to the end of today's session where we talked about Griffith's experiment, Avery McLeod and McCarthy's experiment, and the famous Hershey's experiment which proved that it is DNA which is the genetic material. I would like to thank all the listeners for staying put and listening to this episode. To know more about this topic, you can read articles from the internet. You can take the classic and probably the best route and read more and more books on the subject to gain information. Or you can watch a couple of videos from YouTube for better visualization. I have put up a few links for the articles videos and some other resources in the transcript and you can check that out if you like. This podcast session has been transcripted and narrated by me, your host Pragya. 
background music from inverter.com i really look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode until then take care stay tuned